time, and yet through it all, the church and the gospel triumphs. Amen? It, it just continues. It is unstoppable. It is relentless. It is, um, it is uh, powerful. Um, so anyway, the, we talked the first week of the month here, we talked about the gospel and the church are empowered by God, and they will triumph in His power. Amen? Uh, the gospel and the church, they will, they will triumph. And so we talked about that. It was that you and I don't have to be intimidated by th- human theories or other religions. We don't have to be intimidated by them uh, because God's gospel and the church will prevail. It, it's just going to happen. Everything that would hold itself up against the gospel and the truth of, of God's word is going to be shown as it is one day is a sham uh, because uh, it will not withstand the test, but God's word will. Amen. The other thing is, is that in the face of imprisonment, you guys see what's happening in the book of Acts. They, they go and they go to different, they go to a place in a synagogue, and I talked about this a little bit last week, but, you know, Paul would go and he would preach in synagogues with whomever he was traveling with at the time, and I can only imagine what they were thinking, because the way that the synagogue service worked is they would read from the Pentateuch, the first five books, and then they would read from the uh, prophets, and then they would, uh, someone would stand up and speak a word. If there was someone visiting another Jew, they would ask them, do you have something that you would like to say? And at that point, Paul and whoever he was with would take the opportunity. Well, matter of fact, uh, there is something I'd like to say. Uh, all of these prophecies, all the laws of Moses, they've been fulfilled, and his name is Jesus. Um, and anyway, I, I, just can, I can only imagine as they're sitting there through the synagogue service, sitting there thinking, wow, I wonder what's going to happen today. You think we'll be stoned? I mean, you think they'll, uh, they'll, you know, they'll, they'll drag us out of here by our hair? And, uh, but anyway, through all of it, there's always something happening. There's always opposition. But in the midst of it all, like Jamie was talking about just a moment ago, they have the boldness to speak, not knowing what's coming, not, not knowing how much opposition or how much there's coming. They continue to speak. So anyway, in the face of imprisonment, beatings, riots, threats, floggings, uh, on and on we could go. You guys see what all they go through, especially Paul. Uh, God gave his people the boldness to speak about their faith. I want to be real careful and tell you about this and remind you about this because this is what we talked about last week. The people, you remember the people whenever uh, Peter and John do I have this right now? Yeah, Peter and John came back um, after they had been talked to by the synagogue rulers, and the synagogue rulers told them, you better stop speaking in this name. And they said, what can we do? We obey you or we obey God? Um, and uh, they came back, and the people there, the very first believers, the very first group of believers prayed for a couple things. It's one of the first things that we hear them pray about. They said, Lord, you move, you stretch forth your hand, but then that's not all they prayed for. They said, give us boldness. Lord, you have to give us boldness. And I've been talking about this for a couple of weeks, but I want to make sure this catches with you. The reason they had to pray for boldness is because they were lacking it, right? I know you never have this problem, but if you ever do, you know that just as God gave boldness and courage to that very first group of believers, he can do it in my life, in your life. And we talked about this a lot, is that um, you can be sure, you can be confident that the Lord's ability, He has an ability, a power to work powerfully in and through you. Amen? Uh, now, I know we don't think in those terms a lot. I know we think a lot of terms about our own weaknesses and how deep our struggles are and, and how weak our faith is or how poorly we know the Bible or how, how we're not sure that we can talk to anyone who would have any question about what they might ask if we were to bring up the topic of Christianity. But God has an amazing and incredible ability to work powerfully in you and through you. You know how I know? Because these were all ordinary people, every single one of them, and God used every single one of them powerfully. Listen, the gospel didn't stand because Paul was such an amazing guy. 
The gospel didn't continue, and we haven't heard about it today because Peter and John were just so educated and smart that they figured out this scheme to spread the, the, the gospel throughout all the world. No, the Bible is still around, and the gospel is still around today, and the church is alive today because it is empowered by God through people to carry out His message and His word and His ministry here on earth. Amen? It is got by God's power and, and only by His power, not by yours or mine and by our incredible uh, cleverness or anything like that. But God can and does work powerfully through you. Amen? Amen. Um, I tell you, uh, this is the crux of the matter here. This is, this is a key point for you and I to believe or not to believe. Can God work through you or can He not? D- do you have enough reasons why He can't? I mean, I mean, you don't know enough of the Bible. You, you, you've stumbled and you've failed before. You haven't spoken up when you should have spoken up before about your faith. You know what? Let all those go. Let, be like Paul when he said, all of these things I put behind me, and now looking ahead, I strain and I press on toward what God has called me heavenward. I, 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 I press on. I forget about all that because my failure in the past does not diminish God's power. Let me ask you one, one more time here. This is, uh, this is so important. Which is greater, God's power or your weakness? That's what it comes down to, your, your ability to believe in your faith. Is your faith greater in your own weakness or is it in God's power? That's the question I've got for you this morning. First thing, I'm sorry, I hadn't gotten into the introduction yet, but, but it's the first question and it's so important to have faith to believe that God can work through me, even me. Amen? And He can and He will and He can work powerfully in us. To, to, for courage and boldness and to do things that we can't explain. Okay, anyway, let's go on. Um, but but I want to I encourage you guys with these words because I want to remind you what this teaches us because we see, you know, in, in so many of Paul's teaching, it's, it's, uh, there's, there's teaching about what God's done and there's application. But what we see in Acts is these are people living out their lives as believers, and we get to see it in Acts. It's a, it's a really unique book, and it's a really beautiful thing. And, and I, I hope and I pray that as I prepare these and as we talk through and as, as you guys are reading through these, is that the, the Lord would just fan into flame your faith to believe what is true, and that is, is that the gospel is spread by God's power, and he can and will use his power to work mightily and powerfully in you. Amen? Amen. He does. I want to just fan that, that, that faith in you just into flame and, and just pray that it just takes off in you just to go out in faith and believe that God will do uh, all that he said he would do, that you can believe in his power to move powerfully in you, to share your faith that he can move powerfully in you to change the people's lives around you, he does that. He loves that. It's his desire. It's what he wants to do. But so many times we struggle with our own weakness and thinking, no, God, my weakness is like this and your faith can't overcome it. It's just not true, is it? None of us would stand up here and say that. None of us, none of us would act like that, but we feel like it sometimes. And we've got to counter those lies in our heads with the truth of the gospel, the truth of the scriptures. Amen? This is true. His strength. His power can overcome all of our weakness, and He can use you in the lives of other people to change them. To, and not to, to say that, you know, you're like some trainer or some big inspirational speaker, but to bring the gospel to them that their lives might be changed just like yours was. That's the power of the gospel. All right, so let's talk about the power of the gospel a little bit. It's changed my life. It's changed your life, True. You are a different person today because you heard the message of the gospel. Someone shared it with you sometime. 
someone um, told you the story about Jesus and how he came and died to pay for your sins, that you can be connected with God, that you can have all of your sins taken away, and that you could live for him and not live in darkness anymore. True. That happened to you. Just real quickly, I, I was wondering um, just how many of us had these happen. How many of you were brought to, into your faith in Christianity? Who was it that shared with you? Was it someone in the church? Was it a, a church a Sunday school teacher or a pastor just from a, from a show of hands? Was it a Sunday school teacher or a pastor, someone who brought you in? Okay. Now, um, how about what, was it a family member, someone who brought you into the faith? A family member? All right. Was it, for any of you, was it, yeah, was it a family member and someone in the church? All right. Um, and uh, for some of you, was it a friend who shared um, his experience with you and told you uh, about, the, about their faith and, and you came? All right. Okay. Um, notice the common thing about that is that almost always God uses somebody to tell somebody about himself. Uh, now, there are a few exceptions. Paul, very good example of a good exception. Uh, but for the most part, God uses other people to tell other people about himself, right? All right. Okay, very common theme. Okay, but anyway, but here's the deal is that it, it happened in your life and it happened in mine when someone shared the gospel for us and um, our lives have never, has been different ever since. I mean, we, we've been changed. We've been on a path of change ever since as the Lord continues to work in us and, and uh, live his Holy, uh, uh, send his Holy Spirit to work in us. Uh, but it changed your life too when you first understood the gospel. Um, but let me talk to you about other people. Does anyone, have you ever looked at someone and just thought, man, they are too far gone. They, they are too set in their ways. They are too, um, absolutely too um, opposed to the gospel. They're too caught up in sin that, uh, Lord, I, I just can't see them coming to you. Does anybody, you ever yeah, see somebody like that in your life? We're going to read a little bit about someone like that in the scriptures, but let me, well, let me just take a little levity here for just a moment. Um, you remember um, Philip, when in very first chapters there, whenever the gospel was first being spread outside of Jerusalem, Philip goes and his, right, the Lord sets him up just so sweetly, right? Philip goes and there's a, a, a eunuch from Ethiopia and he's reading from the prophets and he's, he's there and, and God just puts him there. And he says, you just wait on the road, you follow that chariot and he's following the chariot and the guy's reading and then he says, and he's reading from the, from the, the prophets, and then he says, um, he's, he asks Philip, and Philip's right there. The Lord put him there. He told him where to go, who to talk to, follow the chariot, and the guy goes, and it's just sweet, set up so sweetly, and, and, and he goes, and he, and he says, who's he talking about, himself or someone else, someone to come? And Philip says, oh, well, I'm glad you asked. That's Jesus. You know what? Easy. Uh, you know, really easy. Let me tell you, most of the time when I share my faith, it's something more like this, is that I really feel compelled to share my faith, and then it will, it'll be to someone who's Jewish, you know? And, and they'll say, you know, this has happened. And, and I'll, I'll share my faith a little bit with them and kind of feel them out and see kind of where they are, they are. And they say, so are you telling me that if my parents, because they don't believe in Jesus, because they're Jewish, that they're going to hell? Okay, well, all right, Lord, this is not going to be, you know, so easy. Or... Or, you know, I, I end up, t you know, talking to somebody and, and they're just so caught up in believing that science can save and has all of the answers uh, and just really believe that and just don't have any room for God, especially the exclusivity of Christianity and, and teaching against homosexuality and all of those things. And, I, you know, it's like, Lord, can you set me up like Philip sometimes? That, you know, someone reading through the Old Testament is like, oh, here, flip over. It's right here in the New Testament. It'd be so much easier. Uh, but anyway, that's not how it works. But I, I should say, too, at the same time, um, often sharing your faith is, can be kind of complicated. Um, but on almost every time, 
the reason people come to the faith is because they see the gospel is important to you. They see the gospel has made a change in you. They see the gospel is what, where you park your hope, is where you put your hope for your life. And when they see it's important to you, they can begin to see that it can be important to them and that they can rest secure in it just like you can. Um, there have been other times, and I should be real honest and upfront. There have been other times where there were some people, we, we, Brent and I actually had uh, several years ago, had a family come to our house. They were actively ser- seeking the Lord, and uh, we just said, well, you know, if y'all you know, wanted to, um, you know, to, uh, to, to talk about it, we could talk about you know, um, what it means to be saved. Yeah, yeah, we'd like to do that. Okay, okay. And then we talked about, well, and, uh, you know, if you guys are ready, then, uh, you know, we could pray right now and, uh, and you guys could receive salvation. Yeah, yeah, we'd like to do that. Oh, oh okay, well, yeah, let's do that. Sometimes it's shockingly uh, sometimes simple. Sometimes the Lord has just really prepared people. And uh, that evening we got to invite three people into the kingdom. Amen? Woohoo! That's a good thing. And they were baptized. It was a beautiful thing, beautiful time together. Okay, anyway, um, let, I want to talk to you, though, about those people that sometimes we see that are too hard to reach for the gospel and tell you, too, about what, kind of how we ought to live to make the gospel a little bit more real to people because we've got to be a little bit more real to people sometimes. And it, you know what happens in Acts chapter 8 and 9? Saul's persecuting in the church. This is the first persecution that breaks out. Stephen is there. Stephen is stoned, and we know that, that Paul is there. His name is Saul at this time. This is before he's converted, and he's there giving his approval to what? Stephen's death. Okay. Now, mm, kind of a shady past, I would say, Saul has, right, is he's giving approval to someone's, someone's murder by stoning. Um, I tell you, you look at Saul, and... Um, it's not hard to wonder about um, maybe he's too far to reach. This guy, and, and you can see, this is something Clay pointed out a couple of weeks ago to me, but, but there was a time where Saul's persecuting the church, and then, man, everyone but the apostles scatter from Jerusalem because they're afraid they're going to be killed, literally, scared to death, scared for their lives that they're going to be killed, and they all scatter. Well, Saul's converted, and then the next chapter it says, and the church enjoyed a time of peace. All because Saul was the point of the spear. He was the one out there who was, who was really pushing. He was the one who had a real serious devotion to persecuting and jailing and, and beating and, and having killed anyone he could find who was in the way because he was so energetic and passionate about Judaism, so energetic about the law and his, um, the, the, the uh, Old Testament and, and Judaism. Um, and so, you know, you look at Saul and you think, what hope is there for him? And matter of fact, do you remember what happens? Saul's converted, and he goes to Jerusalem, and what happens with the, other, with the apostles? They refuse to see him. No, we've heard about this guy. Yeah, 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 we've heard about this guy. He must be trying to infiltrate our ranks so that he can have us arrested and killed, and they don't believe it at first either. It's very easy for us, and even was a trip up here for the, for the apostles, for us to believe that someone is too far, it, too hard to believe that they've come to faith in Jesus Christ. But let's listen what happens. Um, this is kind of the end of, towards, of Paul's ministry in, in Acts chapter 20. Well, you know what happens in Acts chapter 9, just real quickly. He's going to Damascus. He's asked for letters so that he can jail Christians. Oh, Christians, I want them all in jail. He's going, he's going to see if he can find any Damascus so he can drag them away. And it mentions a couple of times, men or women, he doesn't care. All of them belong in prison if they're following the way of Christianity. And so uh, uh, here he is on the road to Damascus, and the Lord appears to him. There's bright flashes and voice that he hears, and he, says, he strikes him blind. 
And then a brother named Ananias comes in, or he comes to Paul. Well, kind of, sort of, both ways. They kind of meet in the middle, don't they? Um, and, and he prays for him, and he receives his sight. And he was once blind, but now he sees. That's kind of where we get that whole idea, isn't it, about the gospel and the changing of, of, uh, of a person in knowing the gospel is uh, from Paul's, Saul, Paul's life. Anyway... So what would happen with Paul is he would, be, he would be the greatest persecutor of the church, maybe that the church has ever known, and he would become the greatest evangelist and the greatest missionary and the greatest witness and testifier about Christ and all that he's done in, all, in, in, in maybe the history of mankind. It's just incredible change that's happened in his life. I want to share with you what's kind of happening towards the end of the, of the book of Acts. Man, I've taken too long here. But uh, anyway, in the, in, the, in the end of the book, there's just some incredible things. He goes to Ephesus during some time, uh, actually several times in his ministry. He spends quite a considerable amount of time there. There's a riot, the, the Artemis, the, the, the silversmiths of these guys that make these little um, um, uh, idols of Artemis. Uh, get upset. There's a riot. All kinds of things are happening. But Paul spends quite a bit of time in Ephesus building up the church. They appoint elders there and all this stuff. Anyway, um, but he's trying to get back to Jerusalem at this point in the story in Acts chapter 20. He wants to be back in Jerusalem. Do y'all remember why? Did you, you read it this week? Wanted to be there for the day of Pentecost. Do you remember that? Okay. If at all possible, he wanted to be back in Jerusalem. So he's traveling all the way back from Macedonia, um, from Greece, all the way back trying to get back to, uh, to, uh, to Jerusalem. So anyway, so what happens is, is when they first sail by, he, he goes, they go by Ephesus because he doesn't think he has time to stop. But when he's in a city that's a few miles away, I don't know how far it is on my map, it's like this. Um, but anyway, he's a few miles away from, from Ephesus, and uh, uh, when he stops there, he asks for the elders in, in Ephesus to come and see him, to come and visit him, because they all know this might be the last time they see each other, because Paul's pretty certain that he's about to be killed. Okay. Anyway, in, in uh, Acts chapter 20, verse 13, uh, it says, we went on ahead. This is, uh, it's interesting, it changes, um, I can't remember what ch- chapter that is, about 10 or 11, where Luke joins the, uh, Paul and the gang, something like that. But you'll notice the pronouns change from they to we, because Luke's now joined them. We went on ahead to the ship and sailed for Assos, when, where we were uh, going to take Paul aboard. He had made this arrangement because he was going, he was going there on foot. When he met us at Assos, we took him aboard and went to Mytilene. There, I, I've, I should have looked all these up. I'm sorry. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing those. Aren't there just some strange you know, Greek and Latin cities and names? But anyway, the next day we set sail from there and arrived off Chios. The day after that, we crossed over to Samos, and on the following day, we, we arrived at Miletus. I, didn't, I don't have slides for this, do I? Where did I start? I'm sorry. 17. Okay, well, we're almost there. Uh, Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus. This is why I explained it. Okay, here we go. Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus to avoid spending time in the province of Asia because he was in a hurry to reach Jerusalem, if at all possible, by the day of Pentecost. Okay, that's why I explained it instead of reading it, but I read it anyway. From Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. When they arrived, he said to them, You know how I have lived the whole time I was with you. From the first day I came into the province of Asia, I served the Lord with great humility and with tears, always... I was severely tested by the plots of the Jews. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly from, and from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. So what's, what's Paul saying? He says he calls to the elders and he's telling the elders, I've taught you everything. I haven't shrunk back from teaching you anything. In humility and with tears, I've taught you everything I know to teach you about following the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there, although he's got a pretty good idea. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. But he keeps going on. Pretty amazing, isn't it? However, verse 24, I love this. I've got this highlighted in in my other Bible. But uh, I've got this highlighted in my Bible. I love this verse. However, he says, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. I love those verses. I love what he says there. I love that he says there, what he, what he talks about there. So here we go. So we have the guy who, who was the greatest persecutor of the church, and in the end there of his, of, of, his, uh, of, of his ministry there, as he's going back to Jerusalem, he's saying, I, my life means nothing to me if I don't get to testify about the Lord Jesus. If, if I don't get to carry out this task and this calling that he's placed on my life, my life is worth nothing to me if I don't get to do this. And so he's come from the greatest persecutor to the church, of the church to becoming the greatest missionary and having the greatest calling um, uh, uh, to be able to spread the word about God's grace and how people can find it. Isn't that just what a beautiful thing? What a beautiful call, uh, language, too, that I may finish the race, complete the task that the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying of the gospel of God's grace. Um, I want to share the story about Paul because, you see, there's such a dramatic change in his life. I, I mean, can you see it? A, a guy who's so dogmatic and so hate-filled against the church that then later he would become the greatest missionary and the greatest testifier about Jesus Christ of all time. Let me, let me just pause here for just a moment and say, there is no one beyond God's grasp. There are people you've known and there are people I've known that are so steeped in sin that we don't see any hope for them. That's when we're looking with our human eyes. God's power is such that he can change any life. Amen? No matter how anti-Christian they are, no matter how steeped in sin they are, God can change every life. Amen? There is no one beyond his reach. There is no one that's beyond his grasp. Now, real quickly, um, I want to... I wanna, I want to talk to you, um, Paul, or, or, sorry, uh, um, Jamie talked a little bit about Paul's, um, what, what drove Paul on. I want to talk about that too a little bit. Is that one is that he was be conv- he's convinced that this guy is the fulfillment of all the Old Testament. The other thing, though, I think he talks about in 1 Timothy. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, just real quickly, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 12 through 17. He's talking to Timothy. Timothy was one of his protégés. We're introduced to him in Acts um, and he would become a, a preacher, a leader. He's left in different places to, uh, to lead the church in some of, these, um, some of these towns that we read about in Acts. But anyway, in, in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, this is Paul talking about um, his conversion in his own words. He says, I thank Jesus Christ our Lord who has given me strength, that he considered me faithful, appointing me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor, and a violent man. I was shown mercy because I had acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. That, isn't that a beautiful saying? Is it, grace was poured down on me in faith and, and with faith uh, and love that are in Christ Jesus. All these things he received from God, grace, faith, love. He received from the Lord and actually uh, administered by Ananias and some of the other brothers. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am 
the worst. What an incredible statement that Paul makes here. But he says, because I persecuted the church, because I was violent against God's people, because I blasphemed against and scoffed uh, against this teaching of Jesus and Him being the way of salvation, he says, I am the worst of sinners. And I don't know if you can imagine here, but Paul becomes part of a faith um, against which he's had people killed. You, you know what I'm saying? He goes in Jerusalem. He probably ran into people who knew Stephen, right? He, he does. He, he runs into some of the apostles who knew Stephen and considered him a brother. And here's the guy that had him killed. Who was there giving approval? He had people thrown in prison because of their faith. And he says, I am the worst of sinners. Let me pause there, and some, there for just a moment and, and, and uh, talk to you about this for just a second. It's very important that you and I be very aware of our sin, right? Otherwise, there is no need for God. There is no need for salvation. There is no need for Christ in our lives. Um, it, it's very important that we recognize that. Whenever you're sharing the gospel with someone, if you sense that they don't sense that need for forgiveness, that they don't feel the weight of their sin, they're probably not ready. The Lord's probably not revealed to them all that they need to know um, to, to come to Christ. Why would you come to Christ if you didn't need him? Why would you, would you come to Christ if you didn't need to offload this weight of the sin and shame that you're bearing? Um, why, why, would you, why would you need the Lord Jesus? It, so that's something to kind of look for whenever you're sharing the message of Christ is that um, you're looking for someone who's steeped in fear or steeped in sin and is looking for relief. Um, and then that you, they can find it in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, certainly people come to Christ for, for some other ways initially first. Uh, I'm not saying that doesn't happen. It does happen sometimes in other ways. But oftentimes, usually, that's, that's kind of where it comes from. But anyway, um, but anyway, look what he says. For I am the worst of sinners. And he says, look what he says on verse 16. But for that very reason. What reason? Because he was the worst sinner. I'm the worst sinner that's ever existed. But because of that... Because I am the chief of sinners, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, in case you've forgotten, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience and as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life. What, what, what's he say there? He says, because I was the worst sinner ever, I was shown mercy so that God could hold me up and set me on display and said, look, I can show my patience because I saved this sinner. Look, I can show you my mercy and I can have mercy on you because I saved this one who was a blasphemer against me and against my people, having them killed and persecuted and imprisoned. And I showed mercy to him. There is no one on whom God cannot show his mercy. There is no one beyond God's grasp. There is no one who has fallen so far away that he cannot save them and redeem them. Amen, because Paul says, I'm a perfect example of what God can do with a broken life. Beautiful, isn't it? The last thing I want to talk to you about today, though, is not just believing that God has the ability to work through and save people, is, th is this. We have a tendency, and especially in the Bible Belt, to raise our guard and protect ourselves against anything that's negative in our lives, you know? You don't go around talking about your immorality, you know? You don't go around and talk about your sexual uh, immorality or your failures um, in being a liar or a thief in your life. You don't go around talking about a lot about how you were in your younger days uh, rebellious against God and did everything you could to, to not fit in the mold of being a Christian. We don't go around talking about that. But I want to tell you this morning, this is such an, such an important point, is that if people don't see 
that the gospel is crucial in your life, they will not recognize its importance in theirs. Are you with me? We have to be willing to be open enough to be able to tell people, I am, like Paul, a lousy sinner. But no matter how bad my sin was, no matter how many times I'd failed, as a believer, before I was a believer, whatever, no matter how bad it was, I found God's grace to be greater. Amen? And that is my hope. It is my only hope. It's not that I've cleaned myself up enough that now I'm some upstanding citizen. No, my hope is, is and always has been in the grace and the mercy of God and His grace alone. Amen? I have no other hope. There is no other hope for me. It is only that God would show me mercy. Let me, uh, let's go to the last slide here. People will not believe that the gospel is important if they can't see that it's crucial in your life. Uh, quote from the Life Application Bible. So I want to ask you this morning, has God been patient with you? Was he patient when you were, was there a time in your life that you were looking anywhere else but to him for acceptance, for significance, for importance, for feeling better about yourself, whatever it was. Has there been some other time in your life that you've been looking anywhere but him? Has there been a time in the life that you were faithless toward him, but he continued in his faithfulness to you? Has there been a time in your life that you were absolutely overwhelmed by the weight of your sin and your guilt and the shame that you felt for the way that you had lived and the decisions that you had made in your past, but you found what? God's grace was greater. We have to be willing to let down our guard. We have to be willing to communicate about our own failures and about our own sin because it magnifies the grace and the glory of salvation that we've received. Amen? When I show that, man, my sin was this great, but God's grace was even greater then the person that you talk to begins to understand there's hope for me. There's hope that I might find relief from my sin. I might be freed from shame. I might be freed from my guilt. I might find that this God that they've found also would find favor and mercy and patience and love towards me. And that's the hope of the gospel right there, isn't it? Amen? Amen. Would you pray with me? Actually, would you stand with me? And we'll pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we talk about these things and we see what's happened in the life of Paul, Lord, we can all relate. We can all stand up and say, Lord, there are, there are things that um, I wouldn't have these people know <laughs> about my life. There are sins that I, I would be too embarrassed to, to ever talk about. There are things that I've done, Lord God, that, that, uh, uh, that, that no matter how much you've taken away, they still embarrass me uh, because of my own sin and my immorality and my, my lack of judgment and my ignorance that I acted in the times of rebellion in my life. But Lord God, in all of those things, what can we say? Your grace was greater. So Lord, we thank you. We praise you. And Lord, we pray, be magnified in our lives, Lord God. The, the grace and the mercy uh, that you've shown us, Lord God, we pray that we'd be magnified to the people around us, that we would be willing to speak. And not that we have to divulge every terrible detail of our life to every person around us, but to be able to speak very clearly to the people around us who are struggling to say, I struggle too, and I found a God who's patient with me despite my troubles, despite my struggles, and he's been patient and forgiving, and he's cleansed me, and he's forgiven me, and that is the only hope that I have. 
would you be willing, believer, would you believe, be, be willing uh, uh, here, my brother and my sister, would you be willing to do that in the life of another person? Would you be willing to, to be able to talk to them about your struggles as well so that they can see how great is the name of the Lord, how great is his salvation, how wonderful is his mercy and his patience? Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. Lord bless you. Thanks for being here this week. It's great to see you guys. We'll uh, hope you have a great week, and we'll see you next week, if not before. <laughs>